The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Buzz Burbank. News and comment. Wednesday, October 5th, 2016. From the one-man worldwide newsroom, this is free and independent news made possible when you buy earbuds and headphones using the code BBNC at tweakedaudio.com. It isn't better in the Bahamas today as Hurricane Matthew, now a Category 3, arrives with 125-mile-an-hour winds and rains of up to 15 inches. The storm's already killed at least 11 people in the Caribbean. Matthew has the southeastern U.S. facing its worst hurricane in nearly 10 years. The hurricane's expected to hit the South Carolina coast by Friday night, and Governor Nikki Haley's telling over a million people there to move at least 100 miles inland. Hundreds of buses are being sent in to shuttle people out of harm's way. In North Carolina, 66 counties are under a state of emergency, with people, as in other states, lining up at grocery stores and gas stations. And a hurricane watch remains in effect for the east coast of Florida, where the storm's expected tomorrow evening or Friday. Floridians are being asked to prepare now. But Governor Rick Scott's advising people on the east coast of his state to leave immediately to avoid a traffic jam. He calls the storm potentially catastrophic and deadly. Scott's declared a state of emergency for every county in Florida, and he's urged citizens to make sure no water from the storm is left standing where it can breed Zika-carrying mosquitoes. The Everglades National Park closed last night and will stay closed until after the storm has passed. President Obama has canceled a campaign stop for Hillary Clinton that was planned for today at a university near Miami. He'll be at FEMA headquarters instead. If there was a winner in last night's vice presidential candidate debate, it wasn't the viewer, with Mike Pence and Tim Kaine talking over one another as the moderator tried to rein them in. A CNN poll showed Pence to be the winner, but only by a few points, 48% to 42 not the kind of lopsided win we saw when Clinton defeated Trump in their first go-round. If Pence did win, it's because he remained unshaken by repeated attacks on Donald Trump. He was calm. Those who thought Pence won the debate thought he came off more presidential, that he'd offered more substance than the man at the top of his ticket. But Pence never answered Tim Kaine's charges, and at the end of the debate, Kaine was able to point to that. Pence's strongest defense of Trump came when he claimed Trump didn't say the things he's been accused of saying and didn't say them the way they've been portrayed. Fact-checking shows both candidates did some stretching of the truth, but Pence, in many cases, denied Trump had said some things every news organization has on video. Viewers looking for a deeper discussion of the issues or a better insight into the running mates were left empty-handed. And whomever won or lost will be forgotten by Sunday night when Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton square off for their second debate, a matchup in which Trump says he'll go tougher on Clinton than he did in the first one. When Bill Clinton was president, it was First Lady Hillary who took on the issue of health care reform. In what could be her administration, health care could be the first husband's thing. The media and voters were caught off guard when the former President Clinton out and out criticized Obamacare. It doesn't make any sense, said Mr. Clinton, who may have hit the nail on the head and scored big political points from many voters, including those who want Obamacare repealed. So, he said, you've got this crazy system where 25 million more people have health care, and then the people who are out there busting it wind up with their premiums doubled and their coverage cut in half. It is, said Mr. Clinton, the craziest thing in the world. 
At a campaign stop on his wife's behalf in Flint, Michigan, the former president said the people who are getting killed in this deal are small business people and individuals who make just a little too much to get any of these subsidies. Clinton said his wife's plan would fix that with a public option that would let people between the ages of 55 and 65 buy their way into Medicare and that more people under 55 would be able to get a Medicare equivalent from the government. Bill Clinton's criticism of Obamacare even perked up the ears of Republicans. Even the RNC slapped the video up on its website. It likely caught the attention of working people, Democrat and Republican voters, at least the Republicans who hate Obamacare but are nervous about Donald Trump. Trump has called for the complete repeal of Obamacare and the fines for not having health insurance. He says he'd reduce the cost of health care plans and make them tax-deductible, and by letting insurance companies do business across state lines, including states in which they're not currently licensed. And as shocking as Mr. Clinton's Obamacare slam might have seemed, it gels perfectly with what Mrs. Clinton has said all along, that she would keep parts of Obamacare, the parts people like, and fix the ones we don't. President Obama has repeatedly invited Congress to send him bills that improve the Affordable Care Act, but they've been met only with dozens of attempts to remove it entirely. Wells Fargo might not be the only institution on Wall Street encouraging legally risky behavior by its employees. Morgan Stanley is now under the microscope in Massachusetts, where regulators say Morgan Stanley Smith Barney launched a high-pressure sales contest three years ago to encourage more loans. Making loans willy-nilly was a prime cause of the Wall Street crisis that tanked the economy in 2008. The Massachusetts Commonwealth Secretary of State says what Morgan Stanley did was unethical and dishonest. His words. The contest ended last year after rewarding its employees with a thousand bucks for every customer they talked into a new loan. And Morgan Stanley rewarded itself with an extra $24 million. Morgan Stanley objects to the charges and says it will defend itself vigorously. Morgan Stanley says it made no loans without the customer's consent. Hillary Clinton yesterday attacked what she called the cowboy culture on Wall Street, a culture she says has benefited Donald Trump. Clinton pointed out that Trump's promise to, quote, in her words, eliminate the rules we already have. With all its war and division, the world can still agree on a few things, one of which is climate change. The Paris Agreement, negotiated last year, has now been signed by more than five dozen countries, including the world's top polluters, China, India, and the U.S., and now that at least 55 countries that together produce 55% of the world's climate-changing pollution have signed that agreement, it's been ratified by the European Union's parliament, bringing another 28 countries on board. There are 190 nations in agreement, all told. Now it's off to the United Nations, and it goes into effect 30 days later, just in time for the next climate conference, this one set for November 7th in Morocco. The Paris Climate Agreement, meanwhile, is now a real thing, with the aim of slowing climate change by converting from fossil fuels to clean, renewable energy. Donald Trump has promised to expand oil and gas exploration in the U.S. if elected, but one of the terms of the Paris Accord is that it remain in effect throughout the next U.S. president's entire first term. There are mostly names you know, but there's been some shifting in Forbes magazine's annual list of the 400 richest Americans. Sure, Bill Gates is still on top, as he's been every year for nearly a quarter century now. The Microsoft founder has $14 billion more billion 
than the number two person on the list, Amazon and Washington Post owner Jeff Bezos. Bezos' $67 billion put him ahead of Warren Buffett, who had held the number two spot for 15 years. But don't cry for Buffett, whose nearly $66 billion income is up nearly $4 billion over last year. Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg has made the top five for the first time, entering as the fourth richest American in 2016. Oracle's Larry Ellison is fifth at $49 billion. Dropping the farthest this year is Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump, who fell 35 slots to number 156. Trump has claimed he's worth $10 billion. Forbes says Trump's worth 3 to $4 billion, losing nearly a billion dollars last year thanks to falling real estate prices in New York and new information about his properties. Forbes says that of Trump's 28 assets, 18 lost value. Ironically, 42 immigrants made the Forbes American billionaire list. Two of them made the cover, Do Wan Chang and his wife Jin Suk Chang. They came from South Korea to the U.S. in 1984 and opened a clothing store. It's now a chain of nearly 800 stores called Forever 21. The Changs are now worth nearly $4.5 billion, a bit more than Donald Trump. Support news and comment with follows, likes, and shares across social media at Buzz Burbank and Michael J. Elston. This is Buzz Burbank News and Comment on the Realm Network. I've heard so many good things from listeners about the earbuds and headphones they've purchased at Tweaked Audio, and they did this partly because they're loyal listeners who want to support this free daily newscast, but mainly they came away impressed with the quality of these products. They loved the prices, and so will you. By going through my link, you not only support this program, you save an additional one-third off the already low prices. Just use the code BBNC when you check out. Tweaked audio earbuds are warranted for life and specially designed to reduce outside noise. So you'll hear me and everything better with earbuds and headphones from Tweaked Audio. You'll find a choice of styles and colors, even natural wood grain. Save a third off Tweaked Audio's already amazing prices and get free shipping anywhere in the world. Just click the Tweaked Audio banner at buzzburbank.com. Some of you heard a commercial for Donald Trump at the end of this broadcast yesterday, so it's become necessary to point out that the spot was added by a third party. Which third party is being investigated? In the meantime, I and the Realm Network disavow any connection to that ad and must say with absolute clarity that neither this broadcast nor the network benefited in any way from that ad. The Realm Network and this broadcast have not and do not accept political advertising, and we urge you to complain to your podcast provider about this practice. If you're planning a trip to the nation's capital soon to ride to the top of the Washington Monument, you may need to make other plans. It's the elevator again. It was giving trouble even before the D.C. earthquake of 2011, and running 12 hours a day in the summer doesn't help, considering the elevator's now 15 years old. Everything about it is already outdated. Already closed for a month, park officials say the monument will be closed to the public several more months as crews try to modernize the elevator. If you didn't mind a 46-story climb, stairs were an option up until those were closed in the 1970s. The till-further-notice closing of the monument will be a disappointment to some of the 600,000 people who visited each year. It took 30 years to build the Washington Monument in the 1800s. 
The problem is there are two ways to spell volcanologist, which, by the way, is a person who studies volcanoes. Volcanoologist is clumsy to say, so it's pronounced volcanologist, as in Mr. Spock. We know of such a scientist who lives, not surprisingly, in Hawaii. He says he can't believe it took him this long to get around to having printed on the back of his business cards, no, not like Star Trek. That's a good one, though. I haven't heard that before. Also, not surprising, is a volcano expert who blows his top. We've heard stories before about people smuggling drugs in the various cavities of their bodies, but we may have a record contender here. In Scranton, PA, a 32-year-old arrestee who decided to cooperate with police did so by removing the packets of heroin from his rectum. It was like the emptying of a clown car. There were 110 packets up there. Occasionally, we all pay too much for gas, but from the home office in Florida, a couple in Fort Myers got a shock after they filled up at a Valero station and drove away with about $20 worth. The next time they tried to use their charge card, it was declined, and no wonder. They had exceeded their credit limit by spending nearly $10,000 to fill up their car. The charge was $9,949.36, which, by the way, would normally buy about 27,000 gallons of gas. The credit card company told them no problem, just have the gas station reverse the charge. But because few things are easy, when the couple returned to the Valero station, the manager told them reversing the charge would be impossible. The couple spent the next two weeks fighting with the gas station, and their credit card remained useless. This all finally trickled up to the customer service department at Valero Corporate, where the charge was not impossible to reverse. And finally, in the Chicago suburb of Naperville, Illinois, a couple finally got an apology from Burger King, after getting home with their Whoppers to find the words F.U. scrawled onto the burger's paper wrappers, both of them. The lady of the house called the Burger King, where the manager reportedly said, I don't believe you. There's no way that could have happened. Another way of saying impossible. So the lady called in a Burger King supervisor who called back later to say the employee with the graphic grease pencil had admitted to the deed and had been fired for it. The supervisor says the workers have been having a bad day and we're taking it out on the customers. So to business people everywhere, if you tell us something is impossible, we have a burger wrapper we'd like you to read. I'm Buzz Burbank. Thank you for listening and thanks for supporting the shows and sponsors at buzzburbank.com. I'll be back tomorrow with another Buzz Burbank news and comments. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network.